I've been looking at this sign all week. And I've been asking myself, what did the artist mean by the purple and the blue and the white? And day after day, no one mentioned it. And I thought to myself, if no one mentions it, I, I'll say something Friday evening briefly, just because I know a lot of thought went into it. We've all been looking at it all week. And there's, there's weeks during camp when it's spoken about every other night. And so I thought, well, let me just speak with Brother Riney. And Brother Riney told me, he's going to talk about the sign. God is good. He leaves no stone unturned, and I praise him for it. Please keep in your prayers Brother Riney from Norton, Ohio, and Brother Otto Klein from Elgin, Illinois. to ask you that we bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Lord, you have paid a great price for the privilege of being here this evening for all of us. And so we ask thee, Lord, to take control of it all because we want to give glory to thee, because thy name is excellent in all the earth. And we recognize that to thy glory and to thy honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you, I am certain, remember last Sunday night for our first get-together when the gentleman from EMU, Mr. Greg Becker, stood where I am standing and said three things. He said he welcomed us, welcomed us, and then he said he was very impressed with the excellence of the plans that the camp had made, with the excellence of uh, of communication with him and the excellence with which everything seemed to come together. I spoke to Mr. Becker the next day and asked him if he remembered saying it, and he said he didn't. But I reminded him of it. I want to talk tonight about excellence and invite you to turn to Psalm number 8. Psalm number 8, verse 1 and verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And verse 9 says virtually the same thing, and I love it, because a hundred and 
No, 68 times in the scriptures, it talks about excellent things. The word is mentioned 68 times. It is mentioned 52 times in the, in the Old Testament and 14 times in the New Testament. It ascribes excellence to God. Excellence in how he did things. Excellent in his name. And because his name is excellent, he is excellent. Because he is his name. And every one of us who has a name, we are our name. If you mention a name, if you mention the name, if I take the liberty and say George Friend, everyone knows who that is. So when it, the scriptures say God is excellent, that means his name is excellent. That means what he does is excellent. That means who he is is excellent. Everything about him is excellent. The last verse in chapter 8 of the psalm says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Beloved, I want to talk about excellency tonight. The definition of excellence is superior. It means a model. It means meritoriously near the standard. And there is only one standard in heaven and in earth. And it's the excellency of Christ. It's the excellency of God. And in our banner, beloved, the word grace. When I walked in here, in fact, when we planned the lessons, the word intrigued me until I saw what it actually means. It means that there is a person, a person behind this word. It's not just some nebulous something else. No, the Bible says that... that uh, Christ, the Word, was made and came and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. That is the name of a person, beloved, Jesus Christ. And He has become the standard for each of us. Nothing less Nothing more. And beloved, all we are asked to do is to reach up, reach out to him. Reach up to where he is, the standard. The standard according to God's word. This world has lost its standards. And because it has lost the standards, its moorings have become loose. There are virtually no standards for morality, for marriage, for business, for operations, for anything that you can have, for government, for politicians. No standards in this world. Everyone goes and does as they want. And beloved, particularly our families, and particularly you young people, you have become victim of a society that has 
No standards. No standards of behavior. No standards that say you should keep yourself pure until you're married. No standards in marriage that say a husband and wife ought to be together all of their life. And you ought to love each other. And you ought to teach their children to love the Lord. And you ought to be gracious and you ought to be kind. This world has lost its standard as far as honesty is concerned. Whatever you can get away with, you get away with, don't you? I almost caused a young woman in a store to faint some time ago. I walked in and I, I bought something for less than $2. And she gave me change for a 20 And I had given her a 5 And I gave it back to her. I said, you gave me too much money, ma'am. And there was a bunch of young fellows behind me. And when I made a remark, he said, boy, I wouldn't have done that. That's the kind of thing that we're growing up in, beloved. But the excellency of God, there is a standard. Oh, my beloved, and nothing else as far as God is concerned except the standard that is grace himself, Jesus Christ. God's work in Christ is such a beautiful work. And allow me to just, just real quickly go through it. Think about the birth of Christ. Is there anything in this world as beautiful as Christmas time when we tell our children that Jesus Christ was born and his mother laid him in a manger and, and, and she dressed him, wrapped him in swaddling clothes because there was no room at the inn. Unforgettably beautiful. Simple. But very easy. And, it's, and it's a standard that God looks at. And we look at it and we thrill at God's provision. Go with him as he goes through life and as he's ridiculed and as he is buffeted. and as he. But in between you see him being accosted by those who were always after him. One day they wanted even a, 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 some money. They wanted some taxes from him. And you know what he did? He sent Peter down and said, go take the first fish you get and see what's in his mouth and go pay the taxes. I think that's beautiful. I remember some other things, but the beautiful part comes in when you go with him to Golgotha and when you watch him there kneeling and you read about how, how, his, how, his, how his anxiety, whatever it was, he he prayed so earnestly that his sweat was as drops of blood. And then you follow him to Calvary, past the judges, past the false witnesses, past everyone, and carrying his own cross. And when he gets there, and the beautiful way in which he does, he goes there and he commits his spirit into his father's hand. All the while he had power to take up his life. All the while he had the, he had the choice that he, he could say no. But he went through. And you know why he did it? So that you and I, 
so that you and I would have, have a simple way of salvation, a simple way to come, so that it wouldn't matter who we were, if we were young or old, rich or poor, male or female, black or white or whatever, all of us all could come to him, and he paid the price for us all. And who doesn't thrill when we, on Sunday morning, when we, when we all exchange, he rose. Indeed, he is alive forevermore. <coughs> and who can forget that forever and ever and ever, Christ will bear the marks of the nails in his hands in eternity because he loved you, my young person, or my brother, or my sister. You and I, the scriptures teach us, are going to be able to go up to him in heaven and see where he was wounded in the house of his friends. The Bible tells us, you know what? That is the standard, that's the excellence of the work of God that he did for each one of us. Excellence is a choice. It's something you and I choose to do. It doesn't come automatically. Mediocrity comes automatically. Mediocrity means so-so. It means uh, <coughs> halfway. Low quality. Actually, the, the dictionary said it, it means halfway up a stony mountain. I don't exactly know how that applies. That's what it said. Mediocrity in our face, or we are faced in this world with mediocrity in so many areas. Employers. Every time they hire someone are faced with mediocrity. How many secretaries, how many people are there who perform at a mediocre level? When we're Christians, that's cheating. We need to perform at an excellent level. At the level at which, at which we have been designed to perform. In churches, how many churches are here? How many brothers do I know? How many ministers do I talk to who wish they could light a fire under some of us because we're marginal? We are, we are not involved. We're sort of like come in a church sneaking at the last minute and, and hope nobody saw us. We can barely make a term when we're scheduled for Bible class once every three months. We ought to be ashamed of less than excellent performance when it comes in our love towards Jesus Christ. It wasn't that way when you and I were first converted, was it, my dear ones? No. The first love, all of, all of us were eager to do it. What has happened? This world has begun to influence Mediocrity is bad. I worked for a, a, a world, uh, worldwide corporation, Ford Motor Company. I remember a gentleman in quality control one time say, 
Whenever you have a man that performs at mediocre level, it is catching. Beloved, let's turn it around. God is excellent. His name is excellent. And you know, his expectations are that way too. There is a standard when it comes to God's word. For each one of us, beginning with me, there's a standard. I think of Joseph. Joseph was one of those gentlemen, one of those people in the Bible who chose. He chose to be a servant. He chose to serve his father. He chose to serve, when, later on when he was uh, uh, taken to Egypt, he, he chose to serve Pharaoh. He chose to serve the man in prison. He chose to serve Potiphar. He chose to do that. Choosing choices it what, is what builds character, and character is what makes excellence. That's what builds excellence. Character is something that you and I are known as. You and I are known that as that, and someone said the character is what we are when nobody is looking, when the lights are off. And there ought to be a standard in each one of us particularly those of us who name the name of Christ, my beloved. Because we, are, we have the opportunities that have never been better. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Ordinary is not enough. Ordinary doesn't get you anywhere on your job. Neither will it get us anywhere as far as God is concerned. Joseph was an interesting individual. When you read in, in Genesis 39, Joseph chose honesty. You could trust Joseph. The scriptures teach us that he, he himself said that, uh, that his uh, Potiphar, for instance, trusted him, that he gave him everything in his house. He had a control of everything. And when Potiphar's wife confronted him, uh, he said, he, he has given everything in the house to me except you. You're his wife. And as she kept continuing to badger him, one day she grabbed a hold of him and he had to let go. He had to run out and leave his coat. And beloved, that's the model for each one of us when it comes to sin. You don't rationalize sin. You don't say it's mind over matter, or if you don't mind, it don't matter. You don't say it that way. No, you take to your heels and you go. God gave all of us feet and to run with. And when it comes to sin, Joseph is the model. Run, run for your life. Joseph knew this. He said, how could I sin? How could I do this wicked thing and sin against God? You see, every sin we do is against God. And young people, God has given you a, a body. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you an experience. It hasn't been that long ago, within the last several years. Had a phone call one day. Young sister from one of the faraway places called me. She was to be engaged. And she said to me over the phone, I am thinking of 
I would like to get engaged to this young man, and she told me who it was, but I'm thinking that I better not. You see, in a moment of passion, before I was converted, I lost my virginity to someone, and I have been crying ever since. And I have been afraid for the day to come when someone asks for my hand in marriage. And the day has come, and she says to me, what should I do? And I said to her, well, when you repented, did you confess this? She says, oh, I confessed it, and you don't know how it hurt me to have to do that. But God has given me some peace over it. But I can't get over this. That the only thing God gave me that I could present my husband with. I have prostrate. I have defiled it. God has made us who we are. And God expects a standard, beloved. He paid a price. Grace brought it to us. This grace that we call Jesus Christ, the five-letter word. Need to remember, there are no cool people in hell. They may walk around these campsites. They may walk around, drive around our streets. They are neither in hell nor are they in heaven. No, this is the standard excellency before God. And that's the only thing there is. Joseph chose purity. Went to jail for it. God heard him, however, and turned his life around. Joseph chose integrity. Potiphar, uh, as well as Pharaoh, could trust him from then on in. And what do you think when his brothers came and saw and realized who it was? Joseph had an excellent spirit. The scriptures don't call it, I think it says it goodly. I'm not sure how it says it. But it means the same thing because there are a number of words that are Bible interchanges for excellence. And Joseph had one of those attitudes. I think it's the cause of the goodly. Joseph was that kind of a man. He had made that kind of a decision. And decision determines who we are. De decision determines our end results. Decision determines character. Decision determines excellence. And let's not be afraid to make the right decisions. God gave each one of us a space. In my case, it's more than the average because my head's a little bit bigger. But that just means it's emptier. But God gave us a brain in here so that we'd make good decisions. He put us into homes where we, can, where we can call upon fathers and mothers who spend more times on their knees than they do at the kitchen table with you, for praying for you, so that you and I would not go astray, so that you and I would have this invaluable resource to go to them and ask them which, which is the right way to go. Joseph chose to go the right way, and he is a model for us. But he is not the model that Jesus Christ was. You see, Joseph was a servant. 
But Jesus Christ was a greater servant. He was the greatest servant who ever lived. And the Bible says, you know, it says if you read the whole text in, in Titus 2.11, it says, The grace that brought salvation hath appeared to all men. This grace that brought salvation, this is what's to be reached for. This is what we ought to look for. This is what we ought to work for. This is what we ought to strive for. This is what we ought to be bending every effort to do. My beloved, my Bible teaches me in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there is a race to be run. And the Bible says it this way, so run that you may obtain, so run that you may win. Well, you know why? Because Christ is the response to what the scriptures say that God so loved the world. And because he so loved, it says to me and to you, so run. And the scriptures also say, so let your light shine before men. They may behold your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Yes, the so word defines it. It's that excellence that we talk about. That's the measure with which God loved us. That's the measure with which he wants us to respond to him. You see, Christ illustrated that. The greatest master who ever lived. One day, if you go to, I think it is in John 13, you, or <coughs> we find him there. Uh, they walk into a room. All of the disciples are with him. And I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if for a few moments Christ just kind of stopped and looked around and see what was going to happen. And since no others did it, the scriptures say he took a towel and girded himself and began to wash his disciples' feet. You see, he was a servant. He's always been a servant. And those of us in the ministry, we are not lords. We're servants. We're servants to God first. And we're servants to the church. And, and most of us would, would wear ourselves out, except for wives who kind of stop us sometimes. Because it's so important. The excellence drives us to serve the Lord, beloved. And the, this evening, the encouragement is here. Reach out. Those of you that are with Christ, without Christ, this choice that you need to make first is you need to choose Jesus Christ for your life. You need to repent before him and come to him and let him Turn you around and put excellency in your life. Put grace into your life. Put salvation there. Put a hope there. Put something there that has teeth in this world. Something that is guaranteed. Something that if the market flops, so what? Joseph understood what it means in 2 Timothy 2.22 where it says, Flee youthful lusts and search for righteousness. Joseph also must have known what it, when it says in Proverbs 4, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. 
You see, whatever you and I choose, we become. Whatever we think about, we're going to say and we're going to do. So watch what you think. Keep thy heart with all diligence. You know what that means? Keep it bottled in. Keep it reined in. Discipline yourself. Don't let yourself go. Don't let, uh, don't let uh, control get away from you. You can't trust the flesh. You can't trust uh, anyone. The only one you can trust is the Lord because he paid for us. I don't have to tell you that Romans 13, 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. You memorize that. Do it! Is the word. The scriptures say, they teach us, you know, not to just know the scriptures, but to do it. James is abundantly clear about that. So run to win. Why? Because excellency is always going to be tested. There's no end to excellency. It's always a moving target. Always a moving target. Someone said they were commissioned to build a clock for one of the, I don't know who it was in Europe that owned a lot of land. And they commissioned this gentleman and said it was imported from somewhere and he's to build the best clock that he can build. So he did. Took him several years, but finally he had the clock finished. When he was finished, the king called him in and said to him, he says, is this the best clock you can make? And he said, no, I can do better now. Beloved, let's not be satisfied with yesterday's victories. Let's reach out for excellence. Excellence in life, excellence in worship. God is, God is very careful when it comes to worship. Do you remember how he prescribed the early worshipers in Israel? When they were to come to him, they were to take a lamb. A lamb of the first year, and it had specific instruction what the lamb was to be like. It had to be without blemish. It had to be a male. It had to be all the specifics because God is very careful how he is to be worshipped. Because excellence is always tested. If it is not tested by God, your peers will test it. We will be tested by the world. We will be, our commitment will be tested. The moment you put up a standard, it will be tested. Every mother in here knows if she says to the, her little baby, don't go over there and uh, touch the microphone, guess what they were going to do? They're going to go test the limits. And that's how it is. One more verse. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, 
something like this, a paraphrase. It says, every work, every work will be tried by fire. Every work, the buildings we build, the work we do, will be tried by fire, will try the work. And beloved, so run the race that you may win. So love the Lord that it's unmistakable to those that you know. So respond to him that no one will know. When you sing songs, let them be the best that you can do. Don't take second best. When we preach, it ought to be the best that we can do. This may be the only time I ever preach. This may be the first time I have done it. And it may be the last time. My next meeting might be with God. My next And I need to remember that. And you need to remember that. Nobody's guaranteed to go back home tomorrow morning. Even though they made such beautiful announcements. What we ought to do. Whatever we do, when we teach, when we preach, when we walk, when we talk, when we drive, when we work, it, there ought to be a standard. We ought to know what that standard is. And we ought, to, we ought to, with God's help, not sell Christ short. Do you know why? Because the world expects nothing but excellence from us. They are disappointed when we have a fish on our bumper and we drive like we're drowning. The world expects us, God expects us to be excellent. He has provided it in Christ, in grace, in salvation. In the potential, there has never been the time that people are open for Christ as they are today. The young people, you have never had an opportunity as great as it is now. A brother stood here uh, this morning, talked about opportunities of service in church down in Florida. There, there isn't a church that I can think about that isn't open for, for workers we got enough of the other kind. But for workers, those who mean business, excellency. And the world on every corner can use one of us. Reach up to the standard, beloved. Reach forward with all the energies that God has given you. Go for it. And may God bless the word.